join us as we take a look behind the scenes with the independent musicians of Louisiana. Learn about upcoming projects before they drop. Experience the rich heritage of iconic venues and get first-hand accounts of exclusive events. Musicians are remarkable people. Get to know them, their struggles, and the inspiration for their art. NewOrleansMusicians.com is dedicated to uplifting the artists and providing them with the tools necessary to elevate their craft. We shine a spotlight on them, as well as highlight the music scene and educate everyone with our interviews, album reviews, and music scene news. This is NewOrleansMusicians.com. I'm Gustavo Andrade, also known as Gus, I'm from Brazil. Mm-hmm. Born and raised there. I moved to America. It's gonna be five years ago, and that's it. Yeah, <laughs> for now. Yeah. Um, what what part of Brazil? I'm from the state of São Paulo. São Paulo. Okay. And the the city is actually Santo André. is nearby São Paulo. Gotcha. Um, when did you come to the United States? Uh, the end of 2018. Okay, yeah. this is fairly recent. So you spent yeah. uh, a lot of your lifetime in Brazil. Most of my life, born and raised there. Wow. Okay. Um, were there uh, were there a lot of uh, music fans in your household when you were a kid? Mom and dad listened to much music. Uh, they did, um, like Brazilian music. Um, they were not so into like rock music or something that uh, that actually got me into music. But I always had like my dad listened to to like. Kind of like something equivalent to the country music mm-hmm. here, like old school country music, but from Brazil. Kind of like I'm just making an equivalent. It's not the same kind of music, but sure, it has like some, some roots on the countryside. Because my my dad my dad's from the countryside, so he brought that with him, like that yeah. that kind of like taste for 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 the music mm-hmm. and everything that was around. I, I used to be like. I remember that I was always interested in music and like the the records and the, the and then after the CDs and everything that I could see. I have an older sister, so she she was a teenager. I was still a child. I was I was like seeing some pop uh, CDs sure. like, sh- popping up at ho- at home. Yeah, and and that's how that was like the early like contact with music I had. I I actually got into like wanting to be a musician and and like love music when I was about twelve. Mm-hmm. I I remember I I used to go go to a school and nearby to the school there was a uh, one guy on the street that he used to 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 sell like pirate copies of CDs. Okay. Yeah. So I I was already interested in rock because of radio or something that was popping up, but I didn't know name of bands or anything. I just knew that the guitar and drum and bass were like a lot of noise, and I I, I thought it was interesting. So I remember seeing the Nevermind by Nirvana album, like a pirate copy. Yeah. And then I like kept lunch in school and saved the money and went there and bought a, a pirate copy. Which your uh, lunch money? Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> yeah. It, I, inst- I left school instead of walking home here that was c- close to my house. I just walked the other way because I remember there was that CD over there and that iconic 
like yeah. artwork just got my attention the baby going after the dollar bill yeah and when i got home and i play that for the first time it's like smells like teen spirit it, it was like a slap in my face yeah that completely changed i didn't speak english at all i just had like a little contact because of like cartoons and american like movies and stuff but um and a little bit in school but then after listening to that album that that day i say like i need i need a guitar and i need to learn english really and that completely changed my life yeah. that, that's pretty much the turning point that yeah. that everything that happened after that was because of that wow. that day pretty Are much you, you know what i don't think it i don't think it matters that you didn't speak much english at the time because i feel like for a music fan it doesn't matter if they're speaking his language or not yeah it's kind of like a tattoo like you don't need to know the meaning behind it or what exactly it is it's a piece of art yeah it's you know, art. and you it's can a, appreciate it at yeah. many different levels you know yeah was that was the, were they getting airplay at that time in brazil uh, uh nirvana um no not all like uh i just had like the the regular channels on open tv and didn't have like cable didn't have mtv yet at what about house. the radio though i mean it yeah I, I i didn't have contact with that i i actually learned about the rock stations that were not many but i learned about them later because i, I was already listening to music but uh, as you say, sometimes you don't understand what the lyrics say, but that feeling is the same feeling that I have listening to the same songs nowadays. And now I understand the lyrics, and I say like that. Yeah, the the feeling behind those those lyrics is exactly this feeling I was having just yeah. just by listening to the song. Yeah, that that to yeah. me is is sacred. Music's ability to convey a feeling doesn't. Uh, how would you say the, the words are irrelevant. You don't have to speak language at all. It could be uh, no vocals at all. It can convey a feeling. It's, it, just, yeah. it's like magical, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. What was, <clears throat> excuse me, what was the, the draw? Why, why was there such an attraction for you to that, that album? Uh, had you heard anything about it before? Was anybody talking about I it? I think or? I heard the name before. Yeah. Like kids in schools <clears throat> talking about their older brothers, like in bands, and say like, ah, oh, and the name Nirvana, which I didn't know what it means either. But but it, it, it's a simple name. It's easier for a known English speaker than than I don't know. For example, Megadeth or something that it would be hard for me to remember. Yeah. So I think that just there was some somewhere in my memory and and I saw that artwork that was like a really bad copy I still have that CD in Brazil uh, years really? later <laughs> years later I I have the the original copy you uh, know yeah and bought like all of the original CDs and start to like collect but uh, on the beginning I don't know I know it's wrong but yeah. I learned about music like buying pirate copies and downloading stuff sure it didn't by have. any means necessary yeah, yeah. That's funny. And because um, I was kind of wondering, because you said your dad, I'm, I'm going to imagine it's, you said country or kind of like folk music. Uh, was, was it that uh, this was something unlike anything you had heard up until this point? Is that what sold you on it? Like once you listened to it, do you think it was the type of music that resonated with you because of the guitar and all that stuff? Or was it was it that this is totally different than anything I've ever heard, you know? Like, what really sold you on it? It, it, was, it, was, it was totally different. Uh, I had a, a, a few, uh, like, you know, I had contact with rock music before, like some, some CDs that, m that my sister had at home. Sure. That were like, um, uh, like, 
like Brazilian rock bands, but not as heavy as, as, as Nirvana. Mm -hmm. But I already like it. Uh, I already had interest, but nothing that completely made me like want to be a musician, want to do that. Was after that experience, I, I got I had contact with like Brazilian hip hop culture and rap before it as well. Yeah. But that album made me like. Just did it for me. Yeah, just yeah. did it for that, me. That, and that then everything came after that, like Kiss, Iron Maiden, uh, and like the things that were being being released by that time, like early 2000s, like Linkin Park, mm -hmm. like Limp Bizkit, and all this, the new metal scene, Papa right. Roach, and these yeah. kind of things. And then never stop like learning and, and looking for more, yeah. more sounds. So you, you, uh, you get the album, you listen to it and decide that that's what you want in your life. Um, what's the next step? Do you, do you somehow save some money and get a guitar? Like, what do you do about it? So I was, tw I was 12. Okay. I, I think I, yeah, I was 12. And so like I, I had no, no money to buy a guitar or anything and uh so the next step was like begging my parents to give me a guitar sure and i remember my dad saying like that you're gonna just be making noise and and something like that and but he they noticed that i, I never stopped like insisting and listen to that music like locked in my room like every day after school like and listen to that and and only paying attention to that i i stop like playing soccer which is a big thing <laughs> kind of like I, I used to i still like it but i didn't have the same interest of of the things that i had as a child it was like a change and and they i convinced them to give me an acoustic guitar uh. first that kind of thing like okay acoustic guitar first uh, that it, it's cheaper and yeah. like you don't need a nap or you I didn't negotiate I didn't <laughs> know that i had a nap that i needed a nap <clears throat> or cables or picks or pedals anything that was like wow, yeah. like completely unknown to me i just thought the guitar itself somehow made the sound um and then i i started to take some lessons and like by uh, back in those days you know internet was like a new thing and and especially over there the the, the access to internet was wasn't so great so we used to go to like newspaper booths on the street and buy some little magazines with cords and like the, you know, like the positions, the tabs. Sure. And that's how I started playing and having some lessons with like people that were like the next street to mine that that's had a sign like I teach guitar. Oh, okay. Something like that. Yeah. And one after the other, I start to, to go to these people and try to like uh, teach me something. And so whoever knew like a chord or something, I was always like sure. looking at that. Uh, did you have any input early on uh, during that period that uh, I guess would be indicative one way or the other of are you a natural? Because I mean, I, you know, I, for instance, uh, I work on boats, I'm a captain on a boats and you first start out steered and when you're studying this stuff it's it's a journey that takes years to be able to assume the position of a, a captain um and i can remember one of the guys that was teaching me i finally asked him i was like so what do you think how am i doing so far because i couldn't tell you know and he's like well and he paused for a while and he said you're not a natural <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> um, so i guess essentially what i'm asking of you is you know through these instructors were you able to kind of gauge where you were 
as a musician early on? Did you did you have anybody encouraging you or discouraging I, you? I had uh, like after I, I, I like my my parents always always encouraged me like since they they realized that I was like really into that that really means something for me it wasn't just something that I would give up after a few months so they they start just to to encourage me and I remember I went to um, to um, one of those teachers like that were teaching at their homes uh, this guy he actually he already passed away but he, he was a blind old man mm -hmm. totally blind and he was a great musician and when I went there and I, I played a, f a few of the things that I was working on, he wasn't so into like uh, rock music, but he say like, I'm going to be honest to you. I think you're what you're trying to do and what you're already playing. I'm not the right guy to you. I'm going to send you to a guy that I know that is more specific into rock. And I see that you want to play your leads and stuff. I think you, you're going to you're past the, the, the initial thing. I think on the beginning, I, I caught up pretty fast yeah. because I also spent like every minute after I got my first guitar, I was like playing. So really early on, I, I already had the calluses. And right, right. So, so he, so, I mean, that was a stroke of luck in itself to be sent to uh, somebody else that was more specifically tailored to the genre of music that yeah. you were aiming yeah. for. And um, so you you were able to um, take on lessons with that guy, and um, what about as far as a litmus or some kind of way to be able to tell how you were as a musician? Were you progressing, or you know, did did anybody tell you, you know? Because I mean, I, I've interviewed people before where they said, you know, my teacher told me straight up, you you're never going to be a you're never going to have <laughs> a career in music, you know, mm -hmm. and and they do now, so they can look back on that and laugh. But back then, I mean, especially when you're, like you said, you were 12, you know, you, that's a tender age. And if you hear that from somebody that you oh, consider yeah, yeah, yeah. an authority, you can crush you could, your dreams. Right, <laughs> you could put it down forever based yeah. on their stupid on opinion, that. you know yeah. what I mean? No, so I, I was just kind of curious if anybody, you know, encouraged you, discouraged you, things of that nature. No, I, I think most, mostly, as I remember, I think mostly people were like impressed or, or like in school, I remember when some other friends start playing. I was like catching up things faster, not because I think I was more talent or anything. I just think I was too obsessed. Yeah, the work you put in. Yeah, they were like playing video games and I was like sure. not playing as much or basically not playing anymore. Just like playing with my guitar yeah. and listening to the music. And I already trying to come up with like my own songs and they were, you know, terrible. But yeah. I, I, I thought I had something, so I always... I kept like dreaming about learning and, and actually playing. I didn't think much about like like a career or anything because for me, I didn't have anybody who was like a, a professional musician around. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was like I got I have to do that. I was I was super young too, so I, I didn't care much about like like thinking about actually having a career. So I think I, I was lucky. I think mostly of the people encouraged me, mm -hmm. and some other teachers. <clears throat> and, and like la years later, I, I I went to a music school that I I've, like. I actually studied a little bit of like more like theory and um, for a, a short period of time. And I think I had like people that encouraged me, 
more than disencourage. I think the people that disencourage was when I start playing, like I was super young when I played on a bar the first time. Mm-hmm. I was probably like 15, 16. I was like in a bar. I wasn't even supposed to be right. there at night, and I was opening for a for a band that that the guy was teaching me guitar back in those days. He, yeah. he was my teacher. So and then you start to face like criticism, uh, you know, and but. I don't know. I never listened much to the the. Probably I didn't even remember. So well, that's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's good. I was so focusing on keep playing and, and having fun with that, and dreaming about it. Like yeah. daydreaming about like playing bigger shows, and I still do. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> never stop. I don't think that ever dies. Um, let me ask though. Uh, so you're getting the tab books. You're learning theory, um, and you know chord progression and all the things that come with that. Um, did it change the way that you heard music? Because, and I ask that because, you know, sometimes if, if somebody picks up the bass, they can listen to the song as a whole as a fan, but they can also go back and listen to it again and pick out the bass notes. They, they hear different things in yeah. there because they're viewing it through the lens of a bassist. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? For you with guitar and the, these, uh, all these bands that you're, you're getting the bootlegs or whatever for, um, was it kind of like a, a work tape, so to speak? Was it something that that helped you, in some form or fashion, progress? Were you hearing the the, the, the guitar notes? Yeah, I, I think I think so. The the more I was learning about it, the more I was under understanding the sounds because at the, on the begin in the beginning I didn't know like what was a band, yeah. what the sound that sounded that way. So I start to listen to the albums and say like, oh, and I, I think I know what he's doing here. So I start to listen more as a, a guitarist. And then years later, like later on life, I start singing. And then it was like both. But I don't think it, it like, I, I don't have like a, like a vast knowledge about theory. Like I, I was always more like on, on the intuitive side. Uh-huh. I don't. I don't think it actually changed the way I listened to. I think I started listening more as a, probably, you know, as a musician. But I, I think I never stopped listening as a fan. That's sure. Right. Yeah. 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 Like some, if something's playing on the radio, I don't care if it's like technical, if it's hard, if it's not, if if it sounds good for me, that's what yeah. it is. Have you ever have you been able to kind of pick up any tricks from musicians that you hear often? Uh, you mean like from the? I'm not the sure. Maybe home? maybe uh, a group of chords that they played, or uh, some kind of transition that they used, or you know, is there anything? Uh, I would imagine um, even when you first started as a child, you would try to emulate some of the guys. Yes, so you, yes. you know, kind of picked up a few things there. You know. Yes. Yes. I think. Uh, yeah, a lot of things I, I, I learned from by, by listening as well. I, I, I think early on I, I tried to listen by year because mm-hmm. I also d- didn't have many tabs for the, some of the songs that I like or, True, or yeah. sometimes they were wrong Yeah. or they were in a different tuning and I didn't even know you could change the tunings of your strings. Like for right. a long time I didn't know. Yeah. So I just... Uh, I think I learned uh, by seeing other people, going see other people playing as well, watching like 
uh, like borrowing like um, tapes, like videotapes mm -hmm. from like friends that that had like tapes from like my copy of like a Zachy Wild um, guitar lesson that was okay. the, probably the copy of the copy of the copy of the sure, copy. Sure, but the it was video. instructional. Though. But it was instructional, like yeah. some pentatonic stuff, and and yeah, I think I think uh, I start like catching a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, it's funny to me that uh, well, sometimes you'll have uh, somebody picks up an instrument and you know about the same age as you let's say 12 um, and I think it's interesting because at 12 let's say 12 to 16 you're kind of forming your own self-identity you oh, know yeah, what I'm yeah. saying you're yeah. trying to figure out who you are in this world and what yeah you know what part you play and things like that who you're supposed to be and then when some of them pick up an instrument then it's another question that they're posed with is you know what's my musical identity how, how do i how do i uh express myself musically what what do i like what do i not like um you know what am i going to project as a musician and it's like another void that they have to fill with answers do you know what i mean yeah um but it sounds like none of that phased you like you were just you were just trying to do everything you could to stay married to the to the guitar that uh, I, I mean did any of these things cross your mind or was it not really like trying to relevant? develop my own identity yeah. uh, I never wanted to copy anybody yeah I I I think I since the beginning I already I realized that I like different bands like I was into like new metal and and kiss and Iron Maiden and so I so I was like all over the place but it, on the beginning, it, it, it was very like rock and metal. And when you're a teenager, you, you like all the songs that I liked before that and the like the Brazilian popular music, mm -hmm. uh, I had to rediscover years after and say like, hey, this is actually really good because when I, I was a teenager, you know, like I just say, like I, I I only listen to rock and metal, and I hate everything else. Sure, yeah. For a little, for a, a few years, that 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 was it. And I think the the musical identity wasn't such a such a like a concern in the beginning. Yeah. But it's something that I think is a is a process. I think I'm still. I'm, I'm still like looking for like a, a new sounds and everything I, I never settled yeah I don't think I settled yeah, yeah. And then uh, later on I start to in incorporate different kinds of music I start to listen to a lot of things outside the rock and metal and, and universe and I think everything is, is is valid and everything sure if you go for it there's like a huge culture behind that yeah that you can learn so much from that or even learn like what you can say like i understand that but i do not want to sound that way yeah so you know you i think even the music you don't like is important and is valid you know as a reference sure yeah there's a lot of musicians that the, their chosen music to listen to as a fan is not the same genre as their chosen music to play I mean uh, yeah. what, what what comes out of this is not always as choreographed we can't decide yeah. it just comes out of you, you oh know? yeah so um, and I think it's important like you're saying because it, it gives us all um, a variety of influence 
And I feel like if you want to be uh, a musician that's multifaceted, then you'd better have some influences from different areas of the world, you yeah. know, much less of the genres, you know. Um, it's interesting to me, too, also, that uh, you grew up in Sao Paulo and um, came here only recently. And I have to ask, do you feel as though um, some of the culture that you grew up around and some of the sounds, traditional sounds and culture that you grew up around has found its way into your music now? Do you feel like um, it's had an influence? Because, I mean, a, a lot of what you were listening to was from here, so it may not have. I'm not, you know. No, it did. It did. Like, especially, like, in, in Silverdose now, I think I, I have... My mind is more open to incorporate things that are like Brazilian rhythms and, and stuff experiment with some different ideas yeah. than, than I had before, I think. I, th I think it was some kind of like uh, something that uh, I, st I started to realize that, that how rich that culture was that, you know, when I was a teenager, I renegade. <laughs> I think, I think it's, it's, it's normal and after you move to a different country, sometimes listening to the music, the 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 act, not just like the Brazilian rock, but the the, the Brazilian rhythms and everything. It's like a, you you kind of like build like even more like a stronger connection. At least for me, that's how it worked. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, uh, all these things like are influences to me. Yeah. And and of course, a lot of my influences are American rock, British rock, like bands from Germany, and and yeah. Um, and you I love mentioned. Uh, I was curious. You were finding your own instructors at the time. Were there any music programs in school? N I think for like one year or two in school, I had some music lessons. Yeah. But it wasn't kind of like you're actually going to learn an instrument. It was kind of... I remember like what I most remember about that, that one day we had to, to like use like some cans and build our own percussion instruments. Mm -hmm. And we perform like a bunch of kids like beating up like cans. And it was amazing for me. Like I, I spray painted the thing and decorated, put stickers, and I was playing. The, for me, it was already like performing music. Sure. All the noise it probably sound <laughs> horrible. Yeah. A bunch of kids yeah. beating up on cans, but for me, I could feel that that the thing. Like that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and there was another thing that you had mentioned. I'm drawing a blank though. Um, I did want to ask. Uh, following uh let's just say your introduction to music which occurred over the course of a few years from the time you were 12 um what was your your first i guess formal project what was your first band so early on uh i already went in a band like right after i had my guitar so i started playing with some some kids from school uh, i have a cousin there in brazil who's a drummer but he started like a, a little bit after me in, in the music but we we started listening music together yeah and making our own own cassettes and like sharing music like that uh so with him and and some other kids from school we were on the same school back then we performed a live uh 
and then that was a band because we had like a, a project that we somehow force a way to say like okay so we're gonna write a song about this subject and we're gonna perform wow and, uh, okay. because we wanted to yeah and we we convinced people to let us do that and somehow they let us uh, play a song for the school and we did so that was like the first pretty much the first band that didn't last much longer than that it was high school or middle school it was high school it was before high school yeah wow okay yeah, it was before high school and then during high school i was already playing with, with like one band here one band there trying to you know most of the bands didn't last much longer because um you know the, most of the other kids they had other interests as well and i was too obsessed with the music dedicated for, yeah really. yeah yeah so for me, it was always like a, like a serious business, you know. Sure. <laughs> Since I was super young, I always took it super serious. So, uh, when it comes to dedication and time and rehearsing, I was uh, I'm still obsessed with that. Um, and then um, I remember at some point I I formed that band that also had my cousin playing the drums that we performed the first time in a bar when I was already like 16 okay he, he was uh, 16 too I think yeah and what were y'all calling yourselves that was called Psycho Love Psycho Love yeah okay. and I I just played guitar on that band we were like a four, a four piece and uh -huh. we had like a singer um, and there was a, a different projects as well that never got you perform live or anything but with this band we start playing in bars and going places uh, mm -hmm. like going places uh, like not like big places but just going around you know trying to to get any opportunity we could to perform and but that band didn't work out after like probably uh, probably probably work uh, worked for like two years something like that was your was your age uh, a hurdle? Because I mean, y'all were pretty young to be playing in bars, right? Y yes, yes, yes. It, it was a problem because, uh, like in Brazil, you can only drive when you're eighteen. Uh -huh. So, like, if we had to go to a place that we couldn't take a bus or a, a, a oh, train, because wow. yeah. we used to do that all the time, get on, <coughs> get on the train, get on the bus with the guitar on the back and little amps and you know. Yeah. But I had to like tell my dad like, oh please, can you take me there? I gotta, you know, I agree on playing that show. Yeah. But they were always supportive, and sometimes they took us to places that that they probably regret regret going. <laughs> but it it, it was uh, we started to to play around until my next band that was actually the, the most like serious pro project that I had before moving. Mm -hmm. That was called Vulgar Type that um i already had these friends that already played in different bands and so they already had like some level of experience even though the band was like fresh but uh, we didn't have a singer and and i was like okay every singer a singer that we tried like he he, he like he's arrogant and he doesn't even sing that good and i say like okay so i can do that so i start singing and say like okay. out of necessity yeah right? yeah and i start singing and the guy say like go ahead go ahead i don't think it sounds that bad and then i went to take uh vocal lessons and th then i was already like 
like later on life and working and and being through through college before and, and so I, I could like take like good um, vocal lessons with a professional singer that was uh, his name is Nando Fernandes he, he's like a great singer he recorded with like several bands from like even like uh, international bands yeah and perform Nando Fernandes Nando Fernandes Fernandes gotcha. yeah yeah and um, he just—I just saw his singing with Leonard Skinner there in Brazil. He, he's he's oh, great. Shit. Yeah, that's cool. And I—he produced our first EP as well. We rec we released this EP with Overtype. Um, that has three songs. All everything is on Spotify. It, uh, on you know Apple Music everywhere. We we had some music videos. Then my cousin that was the drummer before, he became a videographer. Yeah. And then he was shooting the music videos. And then we had a few music a few other singles released with this band Vulgar Type, a few other music videos. And then I was already uh, uh, for like a random thing that happened in my life. I was already talking to this girl from Louisiana <laughs> over the internet. Yeah. And I came here and went back there. I came here, went back there. She went there, and and uh, you know that's how I ended up here. I got <laughs> you, know? you. Okay. Yeah. Not an uncommon story, believe me. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. After it happened to me, I, I got <clears throat> to to meet so many people with like crazy stories like that. Yeah. 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 Um, would you would you say that that uh, vulgar type is that? Uh, kind of on hiatus or is that long since broken up or is it just is it something you revisit occasionally uh, I just went there uh, to visit my parents and my friends a couple of months ago and and got to meet the guys but but they are not they since I, I moved the, the band never never played sure. anymore but um, I listened every once in a while when I went there and met them like the other friends put on, on the songs to play like on repeat because we play many shows there so a lot of the stories and funny things that happened with our group of friends were related to Vogue type yeah somehow so it was a very important time in my life and I think it was where I got to actually like record professionally and work with like in studios and other musicians and get to play festivals and see some bigger bands playing and say like oh shit like these guys are really good yeah we have to like level up you know and i think it was the the the, the big the, it was like the the best school i could have for what I do nowadays over here, I think was it was it school or just motivation? Like, were you getting were you getting something out of it other than oh, no, the fire the, under your for, ass to for, do better? You for, know? No, for me it was like the, the uh, uh, it was the project of my life back then. It was like the most important thing, just like silver doses nowadays. Yeah. Um, and so was the other bands. I just didn't have like the you know i was still learning but for me since my first band that was like that's it i found the guys and that we are going far you know yeah. it was always always like that um 
but I was I was getting a lot of 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 it you know, with Vogue type. I was seeing like progress and more and more people because of like talking to people from other countries because of that band. That's how somehow I started talking to to my wife. Now, you know, gotcha. Yeah. Because I was already in touch with a lot of people from America. We actually had like CDs, uh, some of the REPs like being uh, sold in Japan. So then mailing stuff that was um, uh, we were learn I was learning how to do the stuff that I that I do and I'm still learning how to do the stuff that I do nowadays yeah I, I think with the technology progressing at the rate that it does everybody's gonna oh yeah continue to learn into in, in infinity per, 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 perpetuity yeah I should say because it's never gonna stop evolving it, it's uh, it's a breakneck speed yeah just just so in this time frame since I started <coughs> listening to Nirvana in that the pirate copy of a CD to nowadays that like you can pick up your phone and you go on uh, your streaming service and you and you have like access to like pretty much anything yeah that's that was when I was a, like a teenager that was like science fiction if you tell me like you're gonna have this this phone in your pocket yeah I didn't have a cell phone until I was like working to buy my sure own. yeah when so, you when you're a yeah. kid it, it's not instantly available nothing was instantly available yeah. to me as a child you could find out that something came out and then hope one day you come across it that maybe you can buy it you know what oh I'm yeah, yeah yeah and now it's yeah. insane um it's opened a lot of doors in that they put things are coming out that maybe be maybe wouldn't have been accessible to everyone uh you're talking about nirvana they recently re released uh like 53 um track I don't know what they're calling it, if it's one album or a series, but it's like 53 songs. Some of them never heard before. Uh, it's because of the uh, the anniversary of Inutero album. Yeah, right. I was listening to that on Spotify a couple of days ago. And I mean, that's a perfect example. That's, yeah. if, they were to, if they were only um, confined to physical copies of that, then they would have only produced so many. They would only have so many in each state and so many stores. And if you were lucky enough to come across lucky it, maybe to, yeah. you'd be able to listen to it. But now, like yeah. you're pointing out, on the phone right yeah. now, you know. And, the, and this is like uh, that makes the no the the knowledge in the culture more accessible. Yeah. You know, like it, the same thing as uh, I was talking about, like learning from tabs and and, and you know, little like magazines and stuff nowadays you go on youtube and you have like the the guy from the band like doing a guitar <laughs> playthrough and you say like oh yeah. i can see like his fingers doing that yeah and i can get the, the tabs or i like you have like un unlimited access to like so much knowledge it, sure. it becomes a distraction as well yeah. a lot of times from the from listening to music and from I, I think i think experiencing both way both ways you know like yeah it helps we get we got to experience that like the, yeah. the old school way to learn things and to i remember i don't know if it works here because i don't even have like a like a house phone here i only have a cell phone sure. but back then i i remember now I, we used to to get the, the house phone and the house phone was like a la note a and that I used to tune the guitar with the the house. No phone. shit. Yeah, <laughs> that's my first time. Yeah, I don't even that. know if it. I just came to my mind. I don't even know if in America was the same sound yeah. as in Brazil. But I remember somebody told me that, and I was like, okay. So I was like, you know, that's learning. hilarious. Yeah. 
That's so funny. It's a double-edged sword, though, with all the technology, though, because you're you're now tasked uh, as a band with, like you're saying, learning all of these, wearing these different hats. It's not just a musician anymore. You have to, just to be on par with the rest of the music world, oh, yeah, you're yeah. expected to do a lot. You're expected to be on all the platforms. You're expected to do all your own advertising. All social and media. Promotion yeah. and yeah, social yeah. engagements. And yeah. it's a lot, man. We'll be right back after these messages. Hey, what's up, everybody? Normally in the middle of podcasts, they give you a bunch of advertisements. But on the NewOrleansMusicians.com podcast, we like to shout out our members. Today, I need to do something a little different. The Marshroom Patio Bar and Grill on Rye Street in Metairie recently burned down. This was a well-respected, musician-friendly venue. This loss has affected both the business and its employees. And with the holidays right around the corner, this is especially disheartening. Now, for all of you locals, there is a way that you can help. The Marshroom has teamed up with the Metal Hand of God podcast, and they're having a benefit concert. Southport Hall has been kind enough to volunteer their venue for the event. It starts at 5 p.m. on November 19th. That's this coming Sunday. They're located at 200 Monticello Avenue in Jefferson. If you have any questions, their number is 504-835-2903. The show lineup for this benefit includes Atomic Motor Queen, The Jack Lock Rock Show, The Bald Dog Project, Them Guys, Puracura Panic, 1016, She Might Be a Beast, and No End in Sight. It's only 10 bucks at the door. You really can't beat that, people. So consider showing your face and helping a valued member of this music community and its employees get back on their feet. If you can't make it but would still like to contribute, email themarshroom504 at gmail.com. That's themarshroom504 at gmail.com. Thanks so much, everybody. For the time that you have uh, spent in the United States... Um, what has, I guess, what's, what's changed for you? Uh, what did it, did it kind of open any doors or was it more of the same? Did, were there new opportunities uh, because it, you came it, here or was it, it about it, the it, same it, as it's, Brazil? It's different. It's different. The, I, you know, a lot of things, a lot of, uh, friends, especially friends from there, they ask me about, the, uh, from Brazil, they ask me about, about the experiences because the grass is always greener on the sure. other side of the fence as well. So a lot of people say like, ah, oh, now you're in America. Now you're, you know, you, you, you have all the opportunities on the world for you, you know. And you tell the musicians here, they say like, dude, what they're thinking. But, <laughs> but I, I did have, I do have a lot of opportunity here, I, I, I think. Yeah. I, uh, you know, I, I don't, don't mean to say like that, uh, like, you know, uh, we always have reasons to complain about stuff. Yeah. But in Brazil, it was harder. A few things was harder, like the the, the instruments, the equipment, and everything was uh, more expensive. Okay. More like hard to to have access to, like even like recordings, computers, and you know whatever anything you can you can imagine. And so um, you know, I know that uh, musicians is, is struggle like everywhere as we we still do here, but. Uh, I think I have a lot of opportunity here, you know, I, I, I'm lucky to have uh, like, you know, in this short period of time that uh, I'm doing music here in America, I got to meet so many people, so many people were open to listen to my music and, and like, 
that embraced what I was doing and and, and contributed somehow. Mm-hmm. Like friends from other bands, like the, all the bands around here, like so many people helped me out. Yeah, you know. Now is that? I guess to clarify or make more specific, is that as a result of uh, being in the United States, or is it as a result of the, the the project that you're doing right now? Maybe the the level of musicianship that you have achieved. So, because it seems Same, like yeah, more yeah. doors, more doors. You know, not to sound religious, but they say God helps those who help themselves. I believe that the world does, and if you look like somebody that's trying and doing and and you know doing some things for yourself, then somebody's more apt to lend you a hand here and there yeah, or, yeah, or to more open to you know letting you in or, or listening to what you have because you you earned it you know what i'm saying yeah um yeah in brazil um you said that the the, the cost to be a musician was greater the instruments were more expensive the like electronics things like that mm-hmm. um so I, I get that part but can you honestly say that it's America has been uh, more embracing of you uh, because it's America, or is it because uh, of who you have become since? Uh, probably you know. who I have become as well. That, yeah. that you know, that's uh, sometimes when the guys from from Vogue Type there in Brazil they ask me like about the opportunities and stuff. It, it's it's kind of tricky because I don't want to say like uh, the that my band it's better or worse, but I think I'm better now. Like I know how to do things in a you know in a different way and you know i i think it's it's part of what i be i I became as a musician i you never uh, stopped though right and how how long of a span of time are we talking between uh vulgar type and, and silverdose um so we played our last show with vulgar type in uh, 2017 and 2018, I moved here. Okay. I was already in the process, but I was re- I was kind of like to flying here to 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 meet with my girlfriend from here, and yeah. I was still releasing new music there. So gotcha. But at some point, it, life just just brought me here, you know, and 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 I I. You know, life changed things for for the other members as well over there. So they they also went to work with different things and and had different interests throughout the year. But when they asked me like this kind of things about the the experiences, is, is always like I think I always get to the point that I am a, di- a different person. I think it's related to the per- the thing that you asked me about my influences and the things that I let come through because uh, Vulgar Type was more like uh, we started very influenced by uh, 80s um, hair metal and and like Motley Crue like sure. all these kind of things which I, I, I still love it but uh, but nowadays uh, I'm, I'm mixing way more stuff uh, Silverdose is a band that started with no like it has to be this way okay so when i moved here i i i really didn't know a lot of people around here so i just i remember there was here in garyville there was a um um a festival called sings and strings there's more like a jam festival 
the musicians get together and and my wife told me uh, I had just married her and, and moved here so she she had like an uh, like a guitar like an acoustic guitar mm -hmm. uh, like you kind of very like beginner ac acoustic guitar and she said like oh you should go you should take my guitar and go go play something and I went there and I started playing a few songs that I wrote that I was already working on because I, I I was moving here with the intention like I need to do music in America I don't know if I'm gonna play guitar and sing or if I'm gonna start a new band but I'm gonna do music yeah. I'm gonna make music so I I performed a few songs and I said got to interact with a few musicians from here and then I got an opportunity for like an open mic night in a bar here in Garyville at Fetty's and I played like a, a couple of times there and that's how I met people that you know we, we got to start a, a band that after became Silverdose but it, it, I never stopped so I think even though I had like this gap in between, like, like, uh, of, of <laughs> a few time in between the vulgar type and Silverdose, I was always like writing songs and, and like waiting for what's next. Yeah, yeah. Did the did your did your tone or your um, the type of music that you were writing did it change from one era to the next? Did it change from? I think it changed. Yeah, I think it changed. I remember when I I start mm, performing a few songs, few, a few people from here that that got to listen to the material that that Vulgar Type had released. Yeah, I, I I heard that from more this question from more than one person saying like, "Are you trying to sound different than your previous band on purpose, or yeah. you're just doing that because?" And I was kind of like, I think both kind of like, I am trying to, but I think it's also natural Yeah. that it, it, it was just for me, it just, it, it was a huge change in my life as well. Yeah. Like changing to a different country, get exposed to, to different stuff. I think it, it just, not only that, I couldn't do the same thing. Like I, I'm not even able to do the same thing to yeah. write the same things. Again. Yeah. But not only that, though. You said, um, I mean, y'all had y'all had uh, specific intentions with the first band. Yeah. And your your influences, yeah. and you wanted to kind of go down that road, kind of play in that vein. Yeah. Whereas with Silver Dose, your specific intention was no intentions. Yeah at yeah, all yeah in the uh the towards the end of of vulgar type we we were as a group we were like uh trying to come up with something more modern like the, mm -hmm. even like the, the down tuning and playing a little different than the 80s metal that we 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 all grew up like very influenced on yeah so we were already experimenting uh, and I think that period in between, that that's kind of like that second era of of vulgar type, yeah. was already kind of like the the like how can I say like the what came before. Like actually, you can see some continu some continuation of what I was doing. Yeah, it's an like, evolution of yeah, sorts. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, some yeah. people like the older stuff better. Some people like yeah. the new stuff better. It, you know, it, it's a matter of taste. But for me, it's an evolution of of ever everything. You know, yeah. I, 
I like to think that my, my lyrics are better now that I speak better in English right. as well. Yeah. So, um, I didn't. Uh, I listened to a few of your tracks and I didn't pick up on the accent. I really didn't. That's interesting. And um, but I, I don't think that's all too uncommon. Um, I, and I don't know what it is to have an accent or to sing, so I'm the wrong guy to ask. But I think sometimes um, when you're when you're spitting out vocals, it's a lot different than articulating a spoken word. Yes. You know, because yes. you're already you're changing the language on yes. the mic. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So um, yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, I I, rem I remember the first shows with Silverdose already here. Um, when I was I was singing, performing the songs, and and in between songs, when I had to talk to people, it was like well, that was the big challenge, not just sing the song. That was like now I have to interact on the microphone on my second language, and and you know it's becoming more natural. Yeah, uh, but it still happens that I'm playing like we play a couple, a lot of songs one after the other, and I interact a little bit. But when we stop. And I get to send like a message talking about like our next show or like interact with people. You see some faces like, oh, he has an accent. Like you in the see what of I'm the saying? Set. Yeah. It, it, Sometimes you people say, it. Yeah, you know, yeah. you already have some people like drinking and say like, hey, where are you from? Yeah. Like yelling from the crowd, which is which is amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. When you're um, when you're writing lyrics for your songs, uh, do you ever catch yourself where something's lost in translation? Um, for instance, like the you know, since um, English is your second language, I mean, do you, do you think of these things? And uh, what is brand uh, in Brazil? They speak Portuguese. Correct? Portuguese, Portuguese. Uh, so, uh, I mean, do you, do you do you think? I don't know how to really pose the question, but I mean, like, do you think if in I Portuguese, think in Portuguese for, no, you know, no, or, or when you try to when you want to express an idea, some things don't translate easily don't from translate, one language yeah. to the other. So, it really do, does, do, does it? Does it? Are there times where you've taken pause because you have to get this idea out, but you've got to do it in such a manner that is received in English by English-speaking people? Yes, yes. I write my, my lyrics in English. You know, when I was younger trying to, to write stuff in English, I, I, I used to translate. And so sometimes uh, if you go back, some things will say like, yeah, that's like a very weird way to... to to make a, a like a sentence because it, it was translated but nowadays I, I only think in English and I, I express myself in English and and if I need to like research uh, uh, like you know search for like like synonyms or yeah. like like you know like rhymes and, and stuff yeah. I, I look but I always try to express myself in English yeah. because I think uh, I spend like like pretty much all my time talking in English, so I think in English most of the time. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. Um, what's interesting too, um, colloquialisms, uh, depending on where you go, they could have certain manners of speaking or they could have certain ideas that are specific to that region, which is, you're not covering a big span of, of um, the earth, you know, it's a, it's a small area. And I mean, that's super common in Louisiana. Yeah. Um, you've uh, got, you've got cultures upon cultures stacked on each other and they have deep rooted histories, French, Spanish, uh, Creole, uh, Cajun, um, you know, 
are there are there manners of speaking similar to that where you were from? Are there you, expressions you mean, that wouldn't? Oh yeah, yeah, the, yeah. like region according to the region. Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I always I always joke that uh, the English schools and, and all the English knowledge I had I like I had in Brazil did not prepare me for Louisiana because yeah. <laughs> I got here, <laughs> especially talking to, to older people that have more like a, 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 a like you know speak sometimes more like Cajun. Yeah, I I was like. I don't know what it is. Is it English? Is it is it what you're saying, <laughs> like Cajun French or something? No, no, this is English. Oh, I couldn't catch a word. Yeah. Uh, but in Brazil, it's the same way. Brazil is a huge country, so like, if I meet a Brazilian person, like in New Orleans, that it, sometimes you you hear people people from everywhere. If I hear an accent, I hear Portuguese. I pretty much know which area of the country. That's funny. You still from. very yeah. specific knowledge. Yeah, even like yeah. São Paulo and Rio de Janeiro, they are not even that apart, but it's a completely different accent really? and different slangs, and you know, it, it, it's kind of similar when it comes to that. I don't know if I can catch all the American accents, but I I, I don't know. Like if somebody from uh, like Kansas or. or or I don't know another another state up to the north if they speak so much different from from each other. I think I don't catch that difference that obvious. Or in Brazil, there's even more difference of accents. I I have a feeling that that it, it's even more intense. Yeah. The difference, but but as I'm saying, sure. Uh, sometimes I, I, um, it, it's something uh, I'm not gonna listen. I'm yeah. not gonna catch that. Yeah, you know, I, I look down the map years ago because I was seriously plotting. I wanted to go to uh, Copacabana Beach and um, oh, you actually, you Ipanema. No, I, I uh, wanted to go to these places. Yeah. I, I, gorgeous. I had worked um, offshore for years and we went to uh, Trinidad and, and uh, Tobago and um, I was like, that was my first time out of the country. Hmm. And um, Actually, I take that back. I went to Colombia, but we couldn't get off the boat. We were sitting in port looking at everybody partying, but we couldn't get off the boat. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so so I, I go to Trinidad and Tobago, and I get to get off the boat, and I'm walking around for the first time in a different country, and I'm like, you know, just uh, entranced by all of this. And I, I, I was looking at um, Brazil. I don't know how that came about in my mind. You know that song, The Girl from Ipanema? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think that's what started me looking for Ipanema. I'm like, mm. what is that? Where is that? And then saw Brazil and then saw Copacabana Beach and, and the terrain down there that in, within a short drive, you're on white sandy beaches or you're up in the mountains. And that fascinates me too. We don't have a lot of terrestrial features down here in Louisiana. Um, now you can drive an hour or two in each direction and you'll you can go from swamps to forest and things of that nature but yeah. you're not going to see mountainous regions or or things oh, like yeah. this do you know what i'm saying oh yeah for me that was the first thing i noticed when i came here and said like everything is flat yeah you know, because <laughs> i grew up in a in a street that we used to play soccer on the street when i was young and the ball would like go down the, the street because it's like this yeah the houses are built like side by side like this yeah 
and and everything's a mountain. Yeah. Uh, my when when my wife goes there with me and and we drive around, she say like it's like a roller coaster. Yeah. Because you drive like this. Yeah. You know? That's funny. Yeah. It, it's funny. How did y'all decide on here, as opposed to her moving there? Uh, she was about to graduate as a nurse, uh -huh. and so um, you, yeah, for her it would be better as the, for a career. She she went to a good college and 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 had this opportunity here. Yeah, and of course I had like everything going on over there, like a band and and like thousands of friends and, and a huge family. Uh, but I don't know. It, it just it seems to make more sense. Mm -hmm. I think it would be better for for both. And I was uh, I, I wasn't afraid to 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 start again. Like uh, well, I, I was excited. Not, you like, know, I was about to I was about to mention how um, I mean your love for American metal throughout the years growing oh, yeah, up. I mean, a, a yeah. small part of you must have been excited. Oh, yeah, know, no, definitely, definitely. Didn't mind so much yeah. coming. You know? it, it, I. I remember when I was working in Sao Paulo uh, for years. I was I was working like really like in one of the most crowded spots in Sao Paulo. Yeah, and uh, there was like all kind of cultures going going around. There was a, a jazz band that used to play on a on a bookstore in the same building that I, I worked on. Oh, okay, and this jazz band they used to play a lot of songs, and in between songs they used to say uh, talk a little bit about the, the history of the jazz. And then they used to say like, "Oh, New Orleans, this, New Orleans, that," and somehow I just say like, "One day I'm gonna go to New Orleans." Like, yeah. and my coworker was like, oh, "Shut up," you know. Yeah. And and somehow life brought me here. I I think like the two places I wanted to go was obviously like California because of, you know, you 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 walk in California, you you see the music videos you grew up listening to. Yeah. Uh, in the movies, of course, uh, and. But like New Orleans as well. Yeah, I was I was very interested in the culture. Yeah, in 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 all the the melting pot of cultures that it is. Because I think the area in Brazil where I'm from, it's the same thing. Kind of, there's like everything mixed really? together. Yeah, yeah. You go to São Paulo, you go um, on a uh, you you get to the subway or a train, and on the same wagon, you're gonna see like all kind of demographics together, like people from other all kind of cultures and, and you know different accents and everything yeah yeah, yeah. so so uh, i i was really excited you know i i i think some uh sometimes a lot of people have like a huge like illusion about like oh you're gonna move to america so now everything's gonna be easy you're gonna be rich and right. you know this kind of things i never had this this like illusion but i remember <coughs> that when i passed through the immigration actually was in miami when i moved here uh, i remember the the after like thousands of questions and papers and everything that uh, I was through a pro process for like over a year uh, like to, to move here mm -hmm. doing everything I almost missed my wedding because <laughs> I, because of the delay on the process so wow. I arrived the night before oh wow I almost miss it yeah yeah but when I passed through the security and the guy say like uh, the security guy I remember he looked like super serious my paper and look at me and say like welcome to the United States of America or like a really big guy say that like yeah. he was super intimidated <coughs> he kind of say that in smile and i was like 
that something clicked on my on my mind and said like wow I'm gonna like now live where the movies are from right, <laughs> right, yeah. like uh, my my like the my inner child yeah kind of say like wow I, I'm actually doing it yeah that's funny. So, so I, I was excited. I'm still excited. Sometimes I, I go around in New Orleans and I'm, I still feel like a tourist. Still, like sure. Looking at, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's a lot to ingest. Yeah. Um, that's interesting to me, though, that you mentioned that there are um, many different cultures where where you were from, because yeah. uh, that's definitely the case here, which you have noticed. Um, what about uh, market saturation? Were there a lot of musicians in the region where you were from? Was music prevalent or was it was it uh, was there a lot of live music a lot of performing musicians so there was a lot of places closed down mm -hmm. throughout the years when I was in, in vulgar type a lot of rock bars were closing um, like it happens here as well yeah yeah uh, but when it comes to like places to play live music here in New Orleans you have more places than the number, I, I would say it's like the, the thing is uh, Sao Paulo is such like a huge is one of the, the largest cities on the planet so you're gonna find a lot of everything and a lot of live music of course but I mean like as an original rock band I think s there's more places he, in the area here mm -hmm. There, I would have to go a little bit further. Of course, here we are going further. We are going to Texas. We are going to to Mississippi, uh, Alabama, and and trying to expand the more we can. Yeah. You know. But I think I think there's there's a lot going on here. You know, I, I can tell. It really is, and sometimes it's discouraging. Sometimes it can be. Um, encouraging in that yeah. uh, you, you're increasing your your network. You There's know, a lot of bands. You as have you say, a, like a lot. Yeah, yeah, you have a lot to contend with. You got a lot to. Um, you need yeah. to shine a lot brighter in in, in, in a, oh yeah yeah in a field full of lights. Yeah. You know, I uh, this is not a complaint at all, but uh, because I think it, it has a good outcome out of that. But the amount of of bands who I became friends with that we we get to share the stage. And they're like, I go to see them play or sometimes we share the stage and, and, and they play before or after. I'm like so impressed. I say like, wow, this is like, uh, like the level is super high. So it's kind of like, okay, I need to shine. I need you to, to improve my stuff. But yeah. I think it's natural. I think it pushes. I think part of the opportunities of like growing here, like artistically, is because you have to sure you know like there's so many great musicians here in the area that it pushes you to to like you know one way or another you need to to yeah to get your stuff together and and, and keep like improving yeah and i i think this this is good of course there's always like this this thing like we talk uh, among the bands around here about like saturation of the market it, uh, as well because sometimes like there's a lot of we play in a, in a venue so like yeah there's not many people here but on the other street there's like another band playing and there are other band playing here all at the same day at the yeah. same night same time what can you say um i guess about your strategy taking that into consideration uh do you try not to play the same place 
too often or do you know yeah what has it caused you to do um we've been we've been trying to expand more uh to other states not stay just like locally yeah i i feel like sometimes like a few time ago we we were playing like uh, like on the same yeah same like venues kind of often so yeah you know, it, it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help us. It doesn't help the other bands. Sure. So sometimes, like, spreading apart, it, it can be beneficial. That's what we've been trying to do. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, we are about to release our first music video. Okay. So we are going to uh, working on, like, on the strategy of, like, you know like promoting our music to more people through through like all social media and everything yeah. we were talking about <clears throat> there the, somehow i still feel like uh, even though we have like a, a following here in the area and a lot of people that know us like I'm, I'm so glad for that but there's still so many people in new orleans that never heard uh, of us sometimes we yeah, get to play this they're like yeah i've never heard of you guys there's an endless supply of yeah. potential yeah. potential uh, fans you know so so like every day i always think about the same thing like how do i get to these people you know yeah. how do we get to these people yeah because you know a lot of people follow us <laughs> on facebook a lot of people are not on facebook a yeah. lot of people are only on tiktok for example or like right. on, only on, yeah. on instagram so yeah it's true there there are many little pools of uh I guess potential fans like we're yeah. talking about but there are many different pools of people and sometimes they don't they never find themselves over here at this platform but they're over here at that platform so yeah. you got your work cut out for you that's for sure you know um i saw that y'all had released uh, a string of singles and then came out with the album um i didn't double check though the singles those were completely different material from what was on uh, that album? Yes, the, yes. Tell them about the album, the name, uh, and, and uh, where the they album, can find it and stuff. Um, uh, the album is called Slender. Yeah. Uh, it, it was released um, over a year ago, um, a little bit over a year ago. It's on every streaming platform you you, you, you sure. have access to. Uh, we also have the CDs. We sell the CDs on, on our ever show. We sell them online through uh, like Bandcamp. Mm -hmm. um, we also try to, you know, like we have like a pretty good like merch line of like hoodies, t-shirts, and you know, so many things. We even have a hot sauce now. <laughs> I did see that. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, it's crazy. We've been like, like. Uh, How did that happen? So our bass player Jordan, Jordan Tomplain, um, um, some um, somebody from his work has, I think he's, he's his boss actually. He makes hot sauce, and he say like, I'm gonna make a hot sauce for your band, like just like for fun. And I said, and and then the idea became something like, okay, if you wanna do it, yeah. So let's do it. Yeah. So I'm a graphic designer as well. I work as a graphic designer, so I design like the labels and the uh, pretty much like most of the merch. And then the, the ideas we have, the ideas we we keep, you know, yeah. we, 
working That's on new. That's funny though. You got a chick, yeah. You got a big chicken on the front of that album, and now you got some hot <laughs> sauce to go with it. That's <laughs> yeah, perfect. That's funny. I was I was asking. Um, for another reason too because I, we were talking about strategy and I was wondering if the string of singles because a lot of people are faced with um, kind of contending on, on, on streaming platforms and you know regardless yeah. of who you are you're up against some algorithm on some platform and you're trying to get it to work in your favor um, a lot of times you'll see bands releasing nothing but singles because it doesn't yeah. make sense to um, drop a whole album right yeah, yeah. But uh, that was um, the the string of singles with that. With, they were just uh, they weren't like a cohesive body of work. They were just things y'all were releasing yeah, as they, they came out. They they we were like recording and releasing, recording and releasing. Yeah. And then um, the um, like actually the our the, the the band we played our first show and then the pandemic started the quarantine started yeah so we spent like a lot of time not being able to play so it was like writing songs and producing stuff so that's why that's how the singles start to, to ah, be gosh. a thing like okay. we, we were not like getting on a studio to, to do like an album yeah and I think like we didn't have the material so ready for for an album yet it was experimenting some stuff um, and then we had an EP Mm. The EP has three songs that are on the album. Gotcha. So, the, because the idea was to make an EP, but it developed into an album. So, yeah. so we we kept recording and working on it. Um, we, uh, when it comes to the strategy of the of releasing, we are actually uh, like working hard, like writing new songs. We have a couple of new songs and, and like a lot of like ideas musical ideas that we are going to be um hopefully as soon as possible dropping more singles yeah. before having i i see that now nowadays a lot of bands even like bigger bands unless you're like super huge so you can drop an album and people are going to be waiting for to listen to the whole thing yeah but a lot of bands they're like dropping singles and and then after a, a, a certain the number of singles then they have like oh so this is part of this EP or this is part of this whole album yeah it's pretty much like the single became a, a format again you know like yeah but you know I, I would say uh, pre-streaming platform and all of that stuff it wasn't all too uncommon to see a band release an EP and then later on release an album that contained oh yeah work from yeah. the EP and kind of built off of it to, to, to do a whole album yeah. the thing that I is disappointing is that um, albums used to be kind of like a journey or a story in and of itself you know mm. um, yeah it maybe it told a story or maybe it started off uh, with a certain mood and then it kind of brought you up here and then you know what I'm saying there was some yeah. kind of continuity to it um, you don't see that so much anymore yeah. because of the single driven strategy yeah. you know yeah I uh, I know what you I, I feel that too because I I don't even though I listen I listen to albums vinyl CDs and everything and, but even when it's it's on streaming i don't listen to a playlist i go to a certain album and yeah. I listen to the whole thing i still have that yeah that same like habit of like putting the cd on and or a vinyl and and listen to the whole thing and, and then like you know going back and forth but being on that universe of the album yeah 
And I, I understand nowadays a lot of that was me. Yeah. You know, to, Let me ask you this, because I do this. I, I do what you're talking about, but I also do this. If it's my first time hearing about a band or I want to find out about a band whose name I've heard, I'll go find them on streaming, but I go to the first album they put out. Like, I want to hear what they... A lot of times I go to the first. Yeah. yeah. Um, especially the older the band because I can I can go back to 1968 if I want you know what I'm saying and yeah. what were they thinking listening talking about singing about in 68 and then maybe fast forward a few albums and see where did they end up you, yeah you know you get the whole yeah. tra trajectory of uh, a body of uh, yeah. musicians that way super super cool to be able to do yeah but mostly mostly of the people nowadays they they don't listen to music like you and, and I don't I, yeah do, I don't think they, they, they care they, as yeah. much no yeah um it, it's a different way so a lot of times the music is a soundtrack for something else they're doing yeah you know it is for me too driving or, or like working and I, I, I when I'm working I'm always listening to music but um like I still sit down and like put my phones on and, and listen to that album and That's like nice. wow and, and yeah. travel into that universe. I do occasionally yeah. when I when I get some time to myself. Yeah. I, I really enjoy that because I've got tapes, CDs, records, eight tracks. I really like going to my record collection and picking out like a stack of ten or so and pouring myself a drink and then going to the garage with my record player and all that crap yeah. is and then just yeah just checking it out you get to read the liner notes and all that cool stuff but oh yeah, yeah. like I'm, I'm an audiophile big time you know um, yeah I like that too i told you um i didn't want to forget i wanted to speak about uh the gig that y'all have coming up because this podcast will publish um prior i'm going to make sure it publishes prior to this event because this is a special event that y'all are going to be a part of do you want to tell everybody about that yes we're going to be joining an amazing lineup um this sunday at south park hall as a benefit for our friends from the marsh room mm -hmm. that uh for those who doesn't know the marsh room in mattery unfortunately he got caught by a fire and um uh, I was even saying before, before the beginning of the interview that I think, I believe we were like the last band, we and Out of Darkness from Florida, that we actually played on a Sunday, like a couple of days before the, the accident happened. Yeah. So we played there like a bunch of times and it was always like a great place. We were always like very welcome there, felt welcome. Yeah. So we are glad we are gonna be be part of uh, of this it's uh um as i say it's southport hall uh which is a great venue as well um, i'm glad they opened their doors for you know helping the mushroom as well and, yeah. and give all of us the opportunity we played the southport before um a couple of times but it's always great to play there like big stage and it's gonna be a lot of fun and you know if you're in the area you wanna you know help like for uh, like support a good cause Definitely. and have a lot of fun yeah. and see some some like really good bands i'm not just talking about my band just not <laughs> yeah you are no, my own thing but what, who who's do you know uh can you fire down some of the names do you know uh the, i don't want to be unfair and forget anybody because it's a bunch of, of people but i know our brothers from them guys are playing there they're amazing she might be a beast is amazing uh 10 16 no end in sight um uh the Bulldog Project. Yeah. 
Atomic Mother Queen, uh, the, which we played with them before. I'm not gonna. Uh, I need you. I don't have. Yeah, yeah. Here. Just, just uh, taste. Because there's That's two cool. bands that I never met them. I just made a post on social media and I wrote their names. But <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah no yeah. problem. No the goat on our social media, uh, like Facebook and Instagram, that you're gonna see our, our the posts. Yeah. yeah, or any of the bands. Okay. Um, all right. So that's the the 19th at Southport Hall to benefit uh, the Marsh Room that recently burned down. I didn't. I never had the musician's perspective, but it seemed like a, a real musician friendly venue the marsh room um it, it seems like the band y yes. spoke highly of it yeah 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 it was, it was always great uh, uh we always liked there that you know it's a, such a shame they we, we we say like oh we we love to play there it was such a good place and then i remember our, our bass player jordan say like oh and they had such a great food you know because they did they, they did the food was awesome yeah and so since it happened, our our drummer Ricky Frazier, he actually got more in touch with people, uh, especially like Levi from Ten Sixteen. Yeah, and uh, one of the guys behind that who was organizing everything is Wayne Barros. He's also he used to book for for the March Room right. uh, a couple of times. We played there. We, he booked there. So, um, you know, a lot of people got together. And, and as I say, like this, uh, so most of the bands th that are on the lineup, we played with them before. Yeah. And we, we share like a friendship. Like she, like, she might great. be a beast. We, we played with them like a lot of times. Them guys, like, is the band that I most play with uh, in my life. And, uh, and we are always doing something together. And uh, they are great, you know, yeah. great bands. Like high level of like original bands that in in different bands, all the bands sound different. Yeah, that's what I love about like this music scene. You know, we were talking about like uh, like opportunities and and sometimes like uh, saturation of the mar marketing saturation and stuff. But the level is so high and the diversity of of, of this group of bands. It, 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 it's it's so amazing and I'm, I'm glad we all have this network and yeah. this connection to make things like that happen to actually get together we we are always uh, like playing some benefit uh, like shows with, with these and other bands as well so there's a lot of these I see and a lot of people from when I, uh, that are uh, older people in the scene here they tell me like oh i see you guys helping each other back in my in those days people did a, a war like just competing and stuff yeah. i don't know if it's true but right, that's right, what right. i hear yeah but um i think there's some kind of like um cooperation yeah that's going awesome. on a lot of cooperation and, yeah and 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 uh, you know i love to be part of something important as this benefit yeah software hall what do you know offhand what time that's kicking off because that's a huge lineup yes if i'm not mistaken it starts at five yeah i'm gonna put yeah. a link in the show notes yes, to yes. where they can go find yeah. out um specifics but um just know that it's at southport and it's going to be uh that even a huge lineup and it's for a good cause so hopefully everybody that hears this comes out where they can see Silverdose play and oh, yeah. um, put, put their final seal approval on you. You know, maybe we'll <laughs> Buku streams after this, man. Awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome, man. Thanks for your time. I do appreciate it. Thank you, you so much. Yes. It was a pleasure. All right. Check it out. 
We all pretty much start off like jam bands. We get together, we push our souls out to the speakers. We look around the stage and read off of one another. And, you know, after so much time, we know where the next person's going. Aside from those connections, we build connections with the fans. And that means the world to us. That's why listeners like yourself are so important to us. We'd love to have you back, so hit the button and follow the show. You can also support this show by going to buymeacoffee.com forward slash New Orleans Music. That's buymeacoffee.com slash New Orleans Music. And remember, you can find music videos, albums, articles, and interviews with bands like my own, Pocket Chocolate, on neworleansmusicians.com. Thanks for listening.